Between the Covers, a series designed around who and what can be done and achieved by patients, planning and working in a community of like-minded, successful people. This podcast series is for anyone looking at becoming a successful published author and those looking to understand the mind of a writer and the goals of a publisher. Proudly sponsored by Shoreline Publishing. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. My name is Bradley Shaw. And tonight on Between the Covers, my guest is Ken Grattan, who's written a wonderful book, The Anarchy Engine, which is coming out in September. But if you're listening to this, it may already be out, depending on the time frame. So Ken finished secondary school with little idea of what he wanted to do. And after bumming around to clerical jobs for a few years, he joined the Royal Australian Air Force to study Mandarin Chinese and then gather information concerning China for the Australian government. After leaving the RAAF, he worked as a building control room operator in the unexpectedly dynamic environment of the Melbourne Central Shopping Centre. Eventually, he talked his way into writing automotive news, reviews and advice for carsales.com.au and now he retired recently. Ken lives in Melbourne, Eastern Suburbs with his wife Jenny and two adult children. Hello, Ken. Welcome to the show. Hello, Bradley. Thank you. And congratulations on the book. Either it depends on when people are listening, either coming out or is it in? It is out. So congratulations. Uh, it's a very, uh, a very prolific book. Uh, it's called The Anarchy Engine. Tell everybody listening when they do get a hold of this, what are they going to expect and enjoy through it? Well, I've told some friends and acquaintances that uh, it might actually cause a heart attack if they vote for the Liberal Party or uh, they're great fans <laughs> of Scott Morrison. It's uh, it's the sort of book that that doesn't pull its punches as far as the Morrison mm-hmm. government years between 2018 and 2022. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. go on record as saying that I probably think the Morrison government ranks as, uh, in my personal lived experience, the worst government we've had in about 50 years. And I'm, yes. I'm including, you know, all the Abbots and Turnbulls and, and Whitlams and everyone in that. Yes, I can see to, I, I, I concur to that, to that view. <laughs> so what, what, I mean, besides, besides the, the, um, the issues that the Morrison government had, what, what really inspired you to write this book? What were the elements where you looked at it and went, hang on a minute, this needs to be recorded in, in, in part of history? Is that What are you looking at? What was the trigger for you to write something? I, I think you'd have to say it was COVID-19 and all the lockdowns. Mm. And I mean, a lot of people are very quick to blame the Andrews government in Victoria for those lockdowns. Yeah. But I think, you know, from my, again, personal experience, my father, we, we saw him live another three years because of the lockdowns and obviously they yeah. predate vaccines he passed away just recently and he he lived as long as he did because he was heavily vaccinated he'd been he'd received about four or five shots when he left it was eventually due to uh multiple organ failure but he did also contract COVID so COVID was a, a a big trigger for writing this and it was the pandemic response from the Morrison government I think was ultimately inadequate they didn't take responsibility early on for quarantine, yeah. which was their constitutional duty. Yeah. Uh, there were problems with uh, supply of rapid antigen tests and they got their uh, their mix wrong in terms of the vaccines. So AstraZeneca, for example, we only found out after they started rolling it out, basically, that uh, it could cause blood clotting and death in, in a yeah. minority small number of people who took it. 
And uh, and also, they I think they were very reliant on a vaccine from, I think from memory, it was the University of Queensland, which ended up yeah. during the development stage, they found that that could often give a false positive, uh, like, a, like an HIV positive, which obviously... Yeah nobody wanted and people were scared about the virus and the vaccine in the first place you didn't want added fear and anxiety of um, you know possibly having hiv which as i say yes but that didn't help matters any so there were pandemic response was poor uh you have to say their their denial of climate change was obviously not a good thing and that was like chickens coming home to roost with the the bushfires in New South Wales and, yeah. and uh, Victoria in 2019, plus the floods yeah. on top of that, you know, in the, in the next 12 months. And uh, robo-debt was probably the major thing for me. I, I have a couple of yeah. kids, as you mentioned before, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of them, my son, who's 21, he's, uh, he's a lovely young guy, he's a real gentle soul, and uh, he does get frustrated by when things don't go right for him. He's at that sort of age. And yeah. it occurred to me that if he'd been in that situation, if he'd been caught in a robo-debt trap, he mm. might have been someone like some who did, who might be thinking, I can't deal with the bureaucracy. This yeah. is money that I'm being forced to pay back. You know, it's all too hard and maybe look at ways out of life, you know, which is yeah. tough, obviously. Well, there was that too. I think um, I do agree with you. There were so many uh, watching it objectively as we as we did, and we're a bit more mature, so we had a more pragmatic approach to the process of looking at what was happening in the world. And I think for me, uh, what I noticed mostly was that lack of information and comfortable comfortable uh, assurances that were were not available. It was just immediate panic, immediate shutdowns, immediacy that that didn't have uh, really any plan planning a foresight to it. Not that anyone really had a foresight that's going to last for two years, but but even still to have a plan, uh, as you say, and I think there was this real uh, ineptness of the communication and, you know, media couldn't get a straight story, which made it more confusing, um, and it was very difficult. So when you were writing this book, of course, you must have been watching this and seeing this, uh, obviously recording it. And to you, what was what highlighted to you the... The elements needed to be in this book so so people of future generations as well can also benefit from the history of what you've created in the perspective well they've been i've noticed that there have been calls for a royal commission into the way yeah, that, in, I agree. And response. uh i'm not sure that's entirely necessary but uh mm. you know certainly you'd be hopeful that uh, the medical sector and government and the um, healthcare bureaucracy, et cetera, would be looking back on, on COVID and saying, yeah, we really, because obviously COVID's not the last time we'll have to deal as a, as a species with a, a global pandemic, a virus of this kind. We'll probably, you know, three, five, 10 years time, there'll be another one comes along that'll be as bad, if not worse. So yeah. we really need to get our ducks in a row with this. And uh, I think that we, when you look at uh, COVID, there was so much to learn. So, you know, I, I talked about how the Morrison government didn't do anything, didn't uh, meet their remit as far as quarantine was concerned. Yeah. But I think Dan Andrews, during the first meeting of the National Cabinet, Scott Morrison rocked up, there was no quarantine solution available, and uh, and Andrews suggested, why don't we use these unused vacant hotels to quarantine people? Yeah. And at yeah. that time, it seemed like a good idea, and now we know, mm. of course, that that COVID-19 is uh, transmissible as an aerosol. So in other words, it yeah. can actually float on 
occurrence of air further than yeah. 1.5 metre social distancing measure. Yeah. So, you know, if you're putting people in hotels and all the rooms use a, a common air conditioning system, obviously it was a recipe for disaster, but nobody knew Absolutely. at the time how bad things were. So uh, it was yeah. just a complete debacle. And it just goes to show how governments all around the world, not just the Morrison government, not just the Andrews government, were just caught flat-footed with this disease yeah. and why we've yeah. just got to be a little bit smarter in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. I hope they won't. I hope there are policies or places in putting place for actions and plans. Um, and I think the financial uh, burden that was dumped, not just during it, but also the post-COVID, I mean, the financial benefit strain on, on families to recover from you know the government trying to recoup through taxes and inflations and and rates and other other pieces of the economy that um you know we're left trying to also you know recoup i mean so many businesses were closed down that the higher percentage of the of the financial sector um really suffered so to recover from that's going to take us a longer period of time you know and that's again not a planned process that wasn't thought out through you know the impacts um, so yeah, no, I, I agree with you on your book. I agree. I agree with your point of views. I think you've written something that, as I say, for the future generations, is something uh, for you know history to look back on. Um, and it's it's a brave book, but also a, a very intelligent book. So again, congratulations on writing it. When but the, the, did you decide you wanted to publish it? That's the key. When you write something, sure, you're writing a journal, you're writing a note, you're writing thoughts. When did it become? the book you saw valuable and pursuant to publications and bringing it out into the public? Well, that's a good question. I retired from, from car sales where I was working as a motoring mm -hmm. journalist near the end of 2021. And obviously mm -hmm. by that stage, we'd been through two years of pandemic and lockdowns and all the rest of it. And I suppose it's fair to say I was looking for something to keep me occupied during that retirement mm -hmm. period. I had a few things lined up and I thought, well, there's obviously a lot of uh, negative emotions in me at the moment that I want to purge. Yeah. I thought this was a good way of of expelling those uh, all that anger and frustration. So yeah. I'd have to say probably it was from uh, within a month or two of retirement. I, I took some time off and uh, the, the family and I went down to Phillip Island uh, after Christmas of twenty twenty one, and uh, then I came back and started writing. And and it actually the timing worked very nicely because I could basically write much of the book, if not virtually 90% of it, in the lead-up yep. to the federal election in May. So yep. it was pretty much right to go fairly early on. And all I had to do in, uh, let's see, uh, earlier this year, I, I had to add a chapter concerning robo-debt because the Royal Commission into robo-debt had just handed down its findings at that time. And I thought, oh, this is too much, too much of a story. It's the major yeah. problem with the Morrison government, in my opinion. The, yeah. the, the thing for which they'll probably be most likely remembered is robo-debt because it was such mm -hmm. a failure in governance and and what have you. And it, we, it just deserved a chapter of its own. And so yeah. I dashed one out and, and uh, got it off to you guys. No, well done. And it is. It's a, it's a very thoughtful book. Um, it's 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 moving and disturbing in two ways, in the sense because people have been through it, um, relate to it. Sometimes there's some truths in there that you reveal that we, as the general public, might not have been aware of. We've done some good research as well, which is, which is predates. Um, and yeah, like I say, um, it, it's just such a, a well-written book. You're a very good writer, and that's the the key attribute. But also, if I can ask, 
did you share this with anyone else before the publication? Did you get opinion? Did you get feedback? What was the the first reader's consensus on this before publication? Uh, look, I actually discussed it with my wife, and mm-hmm. uh, but in my family, unfortunately, uh, a lot of them are liberal voters. So I have to be very careful <laughs> with whom I share my opinions at times, and you, know, you mm-hmm. sort of find yourself pulling back in conversation. Uh, yeah. my, I didn't really discuss it with anyone. I, I had a bit of a vision and I thought I would go ahead and just give that my best shot. And yep. uh, I was happy to put it out there and see. And I was very reliant on, on Shoreline to have a look at it and see whether they thought it was pub- worth publishing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm very grateful for the opportunity to see it published. Uh, and I've, you know, am very, uh, very grateful for, for your uh your feedback and help and assistance in bringing this to, to market. No, it's been a pleasure. Like I said, I, I enjoyed the book. I think it's a, a prolific and, and important book to have. And so one question, of course, leads to another. You've written, you've researched, you've you've evaluated, even criticised the governments. Have you yourself aspirations to go into any politics? Do you know, I'll tell you something funny. This is a <laughs> weird thing, but... Uh, a couple of state elections, like the by-election in Warrandyte, Warrandyte is actually virtually an electorate bordering our electorate. And uh, when, um, what's his name, Ryan Smith uh, resigned and forced a by-election there for the Victorian Parliament, mm-hmm. I thought, I know that Labor's got absolutely no chance and they don't want to be spending money, but I thought, I wonder if I could just stand. I mean, I'm not doing anything, <laughs> I'm just retired, so... Um, you know, that's I it. put my name forth. So I did think about it, but it wasn't a serious consideration. I, well, that's all right. Speaker. That's all right. I think Biden's in his nearly 90, isn't he now? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, there's hope for us all if we ever want to retire into politics. I guess that should be the path you can take. But, yeah. um, but look, uh, Ken, it's, just, it's such a good book and I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, yeah, look, I encourage everybody listening, please do grab a copy of this book, especially if you're influenced or interested or or wanting to know more understanding of politics. Um, Ken Grattan, The Anarchy Engine is available everywhere books are sold, so do support your local bookshops and, and you can order it through the library to borrow uh, and buy it online anywhere books are sold as well. So please do support Ken and his journey to spread his message and his views and of course i think it's a views of consensus in a lot of people not just victoria but australia as well through this uh through the pandemics and through the experiences over the last five years that we've all had to endure uh ken thank you for your time today um and i i wish you all the best with the book and seeing an ongoing success thanks very much bradley no worries. Well, everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us and please do grab a copy of the book. Continue to support indie small press publishers and authors and everybody stay well and healthy and be good to each other until the next time we meet on Between the Covers. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Covers, produced by Shoreline Publishing.